0: Hello, everyone. My name is George Davis. I'm part of the pastoral team at the Hershey Free Church in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Currently, our church is in a series entitled Love This Book, where we're going through the first half of the Old Testament together. And uh, I'm joined today by Deb Hinkle on our staff, who is our director of spiritual formation. And Deb, as we are going through this study of the Old Testament, uh, we're, of course, encountering a variety of families and individuals. And and as we see some of this interaction, it raises a a topic that we're actually going to talk about today. It's the subject of today's podcast, which is the role of women in the Old Testament. Now, I think as we read the storyline of the Old Testament, um, people can end up in different places in terms of how they understand Mm -hmm. women And their roles in the Old Testament. On the one hand, uh, some can reach the point of simply dismissing this material because it feels like these are outdated gender roles. I mean, we see a very patriarchal, hierarchical culture in the Old Testament. So some just dismiss this as uh, outdated. At the other end of the spectrum are those who say, well, this was a very patriarchal culture, and that's what we see modeled in these stories. So we need to adapt the very same approach. Mm-hmm. So as, let's just start talking about um, how to engage the, the role of women in the Old Testament, what we need to take away from it. So as we come to this topic, where exactly should we begin?
1: Well, George, first of all, thanks for the opportunity to speak into this. I'm excited to um, just really talk this through and maybe have a different perspective than typically other people might have. So I think we begin in the beginning. And so let's go back to Genesis. All the way back. All the way back. Let's start with Genesis. And so when we look at Genesis, language matters. Uh, And so in in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us let us, right. meaning Trinity, uh, let us make man, but literally it's not like man as in just men, it's mankind. And he uses the word Adama, which means human beings. Right. And so he says, Let us make human beings, Adam, into male and female. And there he uses the word icon which literally means image bearer. So from the very beginning, God said, let us make human beings, let us make the atom, and out of the atom, let us make male and female. And so I think that's just significant that from Genesis 1, from the very beginning, God said, my image bearers are both male and female. And then I think we need to go even further and understand that there is a, chron- a chronology that we need to see in Genesis okay. 1 and Genesis 2. Okay. And sometimes we don't read it that way because we read all of Genesis 1 and then we go on to Genesis 2. But Genesis 1 stops and then goes into Genesis 2. And it's this picture of almost like pulling it out and now giving us a deeper look into what's being said in Genesis 2. And so there, I just think it's really, really cool. Um, God takes the Adam, right. meaning the human beings, and splits the Adam right. into Ish, man, and Isha, uh, female. So. I guess that was the first atomic explosion. <laughs> I don't know what we God was the say. first to
0: split the atom. Exactly. And there have been ramifications ever since, Exactly.
1: Right? But that to me is really significant because what he is saying is the human being, in order to be complete, there needed to be a male and a female. And so Genesis, Genesis 2 to me is a beautiful picture of God saying, showing to Adam, the man, right you are alone and it's not good. And so I want, I'm want i going to bring you someone who is like you but different. And so he brings Eve to him, who at that point in time, he just names her as Isha. Right. He just says, you are woman. You are bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. You are like me, but you are different. And so that picture to me is a beautiful picture of of unity, of intimacy, of partnership. And I know usually we look at Genesis 2 and we think about it from a marriage perspective, but I think there's a broader principle at work, and that's that broader principle that as men and women, we were created for unity. We were created for partnership. We were created to complete one another. And then we go back. We have to go back to Genesis 1 because the story isn't finished. And then God says... So now that I have you both of you, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that I am I am commanding you, I am mandating, I am telling you this because this is important, this is my heart. You are to be fruitful and multiply. You are to rule over and subdue. And those words set the tone for the rest of creation for the for the rest of humanity. And Ironically, sometimes I think as women, we've, we've kind of had this sense of, well, women are supposed to be fruitful and multiply right. because they have children, and men are supposed to rule over and subdue. And I think that has created a wrong distinction that is not at all what God designed because he gave them both the same command.
0: Right. So once again, it's this theme of, of – Partnership mm-hmm. of unity, and mission, and calling, and purpose. Exactly. So, along those lines, then, so if this is this is what is described in the opening chapter of Genesis, uh, can you give us some examples of what this looks like as we continue to follow the storyline of the Old Testament?
1: Sure. Now, unfortunately, in the middle of the storyline, we have something called the fall. Right. <laughs> All right. So there is brokenness right. that comes into the picture, and. I think with the brokenness comes a sense of hierarchy.
0: Okay. You, you
1: know that we even see in Genesis 3 and we we see the idea of the des, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so there is this principle of hierarchy that seems to be present. There's a there's a sense of patriarchy that comes out of the Old Testament. But even in the midst of that, I think we have examples of partnership. Okay. So let me give you what I would say is one of the first ones we see and that's when we look at Moses and Aaron, Aaron and Miriam and we know Moses led the people out of right. out of Egypt. We know that Aaron was his spokesperson. We know that Miriam was his big sister, but we don't always look at her as someone who was part of the leadership team, right. if I can say that. And yet in Micah 6.4, there's this really amazing verse that says that God sent Moses to lead his people, but he also sent Aaron and Miriam. And so for me, that's a really good example of a male, female partnership where gifts were used uh, in order to lead the people out of Egypt. Um, other examples, okay. um, one of my favorite is Deborah and Barak. probably because my name is Deborah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it, there. There, is there is a connection, connection there, there, right? <laughs> um, so when I look at that story, I love it because – Deborah is able to describe herself with strong words, strong leadership words, and we see that in Judges five. The Bible describes her as a as a prophet, as one who was judging, right. and as a wife. So she was seen as a leader in Israel. Just as an addendum, can I just say out of all the judges in the book of Judges, nothing negative is ever mentioned about Deborah. So so her character was good.
0: Unlike many of the other individuals in that book.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Moving right along. (laughs) But so we have this scenario where the Israelites have been oppressed and Deborah hears from God. She's a prophet and she hears from God. And as she hears from him, he tells her to go to Barak and tell Barak to go up against the armies of Sisera. And so she calls him and he comes – which to me indicates, too, that there was a, a way that he respected her leadership. Right. He comes and she tells him what he should do. And he goes, uh-uh, <laughs> not going unless you go with me. And so we have this little give and take, this scenario where she says, all right, I will go with you. But you won't get the glory for all of this. Um, bottom line is the the victory is secured. And in Judges chapter 5, we see that together there is a song of Deborah and Barak, which in Scripture is showing us that they were celebrating what God had had done. And so even as I see that, it reminds me of this. Deborah used her voice in a way that was was strong. She used it as a leader. She used it in a way to um, call Barak— to use his abilities right. and to use what he was called to do and yet when the victory is secured she invites him into that process so that they are they are celebrating what God has done and they are doing it together and even in judges chapter 5 where we see the song she goes on to say basically Israel was in a terrible place until I Deborah I arose as a mother in Israel she was confident in who she was, but I don't think she was cocky. I think she she understood the necessity of working together. she understood what her what her place was and how she could be used and what Barack could do and how he could be used and then there's an interesting side note to this I don't have any any proof of this okay. but it's kind of interesting if you go fast forward to the book of Hebrews right. In the book of Hebrews, Barak is mentioned, and he's mentioned as a man of faith.
0: Hebrews 11.
1: Hebrews 11. And somehow when I first meet Barak in Judges chapter 4, he doesn't (laughs) seem like he has a lot of faith. And so sometimes I wonder is, what did that encounter together help him? in his own story. Sure.
0: How was he shaped by that experience and in that was, interaction?
1: Right. And that to me gives, as a woman, that gives me a sense of, I, I need to not be afraid at times to use my voice, um, to be, to challenge maybe my brothers in Christ and to not always just think that they should challenge me, right. but that there is a reciprocity in the way that we are able to interact. So I love that story and just the way that we see them partnering together.
0: Other examples or uh, I do. I have more. You have more.
1: (laughs) You're going to ask me. I'll give you more. Um, I also love the story of Abigail and and Nabal. Okay. Uh, Abigail, it says, was a beautiful and intelligent woman.
0: Right.
1: Who was married to a drunken fool.
0: Right.
1: I didn't make that up. That's what Scripture says, right. and so in this story, we find out that David, who was sort of an ancient kind of Robin Hood, was taking care of Nabal's men when they were out shearing their sheep and sort of putting a wall of protection around them. And so, in return for that, his men are hungry, and so he goes to Nabal and says, "Can you give us provisions? Right. We, we've you know protected your men." And Nabal, who knows if he was drunk at the moment or whatever, he refuses. Not, the brightest, guy Not the brightest guy. He refuses. And Abigail steps into action because she knows what the consequences are. David's going to potentially wipe out their entire household. So she steps into action. She gets the provisions and she goes out to meet him before he can get to their home. And it's not just the fact that she took him provisions that matters to me or that I think is important. It's the way she approached him. So she, she bows, which would have been culturally appropriate, appropriate and acceptable. And she honors him, but then she she has a boldness about her, and she confronts him, and she says, basically, think about what you're doing. Do you really want to in some way potentially damage your character as the future king of Israel right. by doing something that really would tarnish you know who you are and and he obviously listens to her because at one point in scripture he says I heard your words and I love that phrase because she took a risk she went out you know honestly understanding she was feared for her life as well. But she went further than that. She didn't just ask him or beg him not to hurt them. She said, be careful about what you're about to do because you're going to do something you regret. And again, this to me speaks of the, of the way she used her voice to challenge and encourage. Now, if this were a movie, it would be a great movie because there's an end to the story. Uh, David does not harm the household right. in any way. So she he does heed what she says. She goes back and Nabel dies, possibly from a stroke. And Abigail gets to marry the future king and right. she becomes his <laughs> wife. So that's kind of a fun element to the it, story. There is a
0: twist in the story. Exactly. But once again, this, this theme of, of partnership and, and working together. Exactly. Now, you, you've, given us, um, you've given us a variety of examples, and you could surely give us some more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the reality is this still takes place in a pretty hierarchical culture, mm-hmm. a very patriarchal culture that um, is, is really driven by male leadership, male mm-hmm. power, and that sort of thing. So how do, how do we still deal with that?
1: Well, I think we need to remember that historically this is this is still part of what of God's plan, of his rescue right. plan. And so he is still dealing with his covenant people Israel and in a culture, a broader culture, not just the Israelite culture, but a broader culture right. that is extremely patriarchal. And so even though typically You would see men in positions of leadership, or you would see men in positions of authority and power. I really believe that God gives us these examples to let us know that in his economy, in a sense, and in his heart, we are seeing glimpses of what he values. We are seeing glimpses of his heart and the fact that he's saying— I value these women, I value their contributions to the mission, I value uh, their contributions to ultimately reflect what his heart is. And so while it may not always be normative in a patriarchal culture, we certainly don't see evidence that it's inappropriate, but rather it's something that I believe God is giving us examples to hold on to and to be encouraged by.
0: So we never completely lose that vision from Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 of exactly. partnership and working together right. as part of a bigger mission, Right. even though we now live in this world that is characterized by brokenness and exactly. relational tension and all of that.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, up to this point, we have talked primarily about examples in in narrative, different people in the biblical storyline. Uh, Just for a moment, talk briefly about the other kinds of of literature that we see in the Old Testament. We see wisdom literature, and that brings Mm -hmm. us to the book of Proverbs.
1: Uh Exactly. And I think there are two really important examples uh, in the book of Proverbs. I believe one of them is understanding Proverbs 31, which is typically the passage we go to when we talk about women and what they should and should not do. Unfortunately, as a woman hearing that passage over the years, it's kind of created this sense of, man, I need to be a superwoman or, you know, I don't measure up.
0: So how do you think we should understand that passage?
1: I think we understand that passage by looking more deeply into some of the things the woman was doing. Okay. So she obviously was was a manager. In some way, shape or form, she was intelligent. She was able to carry out business transactions and and handle finances and money. Uh, She led her household. So there obviously were ways in which she needed to um, care for her people, but also give vision for them and show them what their roles and responsibilities were. And so I think we look at that to understand the different ways that women function as opposed to looking at, I have to do each one of these tasks in order to be a godly woman. I also think the underlying principle there is she was a woman of character. She was a woman of integrity. She was a woman who feared God. And so if I were to pull out key, key understandings from that passage— that's what I would want to us to see.
0: So, in other words, the passage is very broad, so that it can hit women in different situations and with different skills and responsibilities.
1: Right. Exactly. Rather than painting a picture of this is how every woman needs to function and do every one of these things in, in every stage in, of in life. every stage of life <laughs> in order to be seen as a godly woman. Um, and then I think the other. The other thing we see in Proverbs, I mean, we do see conversation about how to train up a young man so that he is wise and and it's pure in his interactions. But we also see this interesting piece there where it talks about wisdom and wisdom is personified as as a woman. woman. Right. And I love there is actually a verse. I wrote it down. So let me read it to you. It's from Proverbs eight. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gates leading into the city. At the entrances, she cries aloud. That has a cultural ring to it that we might not quite understand in our culture. The city gates were places of authority, in essence, and where people came to uh, hear from leaders. And so to me, this is another example of voice. And if I could just say a theme that runs through everything we've been talking about this afternoon is the idea of voice. We see partnership and we see women using their voices in different contexts, um, some of which – were very risky circumstances where, like Esther, her life was in danger. Right. But she chooses to step into that situation and recognize that in obedience to God, she needs to use her voice. And and I think that's something that we can take away from these women. They... I believe obeyed God and they were part of of his rescue plan and they were part of his mission.
0: Okay, so un- unpack that just a little bit for us. When you when you talk about using your voice, what exactly mm-hmm. do you mean?
1: Sometimes that's a that's a hard concept for me to define without just using my own experience. However, I have heard this from other women as well. There's a tension that some of us as women feel that our voices are to not be used in certain circumstances, that we should always wait to determine whether or not we should weigh into a conversation or be part of a conversation, especially in church contexts. Right. And, and I believe that it's important that we as women are respectful Um. As should men be respectful right. as well, but that we are respectful, that we listen well, but that we don't shy away from contributing and to recognizing that if as men and women we have been called on to the mission of God together, then we are going to be stronger together and better together if we both use our voices And just like when I look at Barack and Deborah, I'm sure there was some tension in that conversation, but they they made each other stronger, and the result was a victory for God. Uh, And I see that as we lean into women not being afraid to use their voices and use them well and appropriately.
0: Well, I started the conversation a few minutes ago uh, just observing that when it comes to Understanding women in the Old Testament, there's a spectrum of responses from those who just want to dismiss this entirely because it feels outdated in terms of gender roles to the other end of the spectrum, which are those who would say, well, we have to adopt the same hierarchical patriarchal approach. So what would – in the midst of those (laughs) different responses, what would you want to say to people along that spectrum?
1: I think I, I would want to say this, that I believe Genesis shows us that God designed us to be partners, that he designed us differently. There is still maleness and there is still femaleness, and that's a whole other podcast to, to have that right. conversation. But in the midst of that, I think we need to do everything we can to live out what i would feel believe is the redemptive work of the cross so if we understand god's storyline as creation fall redemption consummation and we understand that in the old testament we were living as god's covenant community israel that led up to the work of the cross and to jesus coming as god in the flesh now we live under um the redemptive work of the cross and what he has done. And I believe part of what the cross redeems is the way that men and women should interact together and that when we lean into that, that we as the church have the opportunity to reveal how men and women can work together in a way that actually, in my mind, should be a testimony to the world. Not the other way around. Let's not us just be influenced by wherever culture is going in terms of feminism or whatever that might look like. Instead, let's look at this as if God created us to be partners, to complete one another and not compete one another, I would love to see the church be the the place – that leads the way in showing what it looks like when men and women honor one another, when they listen to one another, and when we really support and encourage one another to use our gifts and to further the kingdom.
0: Well, that's really helpful. So um, as we think about this then, so what what for you are some final takeaways that we need to take from the Old Testament storyline and the way women are a part of it?
1: For me, I love looking at these stories, and again, there are so many other ones. We didn't even we didn't really touch much on Esther. We didn't talk about a little-known prophet called Huldah. Right. <laughs> we we didn't necessarily talk about Ruth and her interactions. There are so many of them, but when I read them as a woman, they encourage my heart. They they speak to me in such a way that says, even in the Old Testament, which is definitely a patriarchal culture. God chose to give us examples, a glimpse into his heart. And so when I read them, it encourages me to find my voice, to use it well, to want to strengthen my brothers in Christ, to want to walk with them in such a way that, that we are able to embrace each other's gifts and to encourage one another and to challenge one another. So for me, these are examples that can be applied very much in our culture today.
0: So how do you think this theme of women in the Old Testament um, addresses certain cultural trends today? I mean, I think for some, um, there is a trend of almost becoming anti-male or taking mm-hmm. feminism to mm-hmm. that extreme. So how do where does where does the old testament take us in in addressing some of those kinds of themes?
1: I think on principle it takes us to a place of honor. And I believe that while again we don't live in a strictly patriarchal culture the way the old testament was designed the systems that were in place we We still live in a culture where the idea of how men and women relate is probably um, more confusing right now than it's than it's ever Never been. been. Right. and so for me, when I look at the Old Testament, I look at that and I think, how am I honoring the men that I interact with? How am I respecting them and and who they are as individuals?" But then I also look at it and say, how am I challenging them Um, to not be afraid to encourage them in their walk with Christ or to say something, if it's a relationship that, you know, I know the person well enough to just ask questions about their faith. So, for instance, let me give you an example. We have Live Lovely groups.
0: Right. Our small groups. Our small groups at Hershey Free Free.
1: And... With a very few exceptions there they have men and women they're mixed gender groups, so for me, that is a perfect place where we can live out even some of the the principles we saw in the Old Testament of how an Abigail confronted David, right. you know, so how can we, in our live lovely groups, confront and encourage one another men not just men to men and women to women, but men to women and women to men, where we are creating communities that i think reflect god's heart that to me is really exciting and i see the old testament being a foundation for us where the where we can see those examples and especially i keep coming back to a couple of words partnership and i believe we're better together in that way and that we were designed to complete not compete
0: well, I think it's so helpful to, to really go back to this creation design because in the midst of that, we see that all of these conversations need to take place within a context of a sense of calling mm-hmm. and purpose mm-hmm. and deep identity. Mm-hmm. And when, when yes. we really seek to have our own sense of self rooted in what God is doing, it, it does bring us to a place of partnership. It rethinks how we mm-hmm. think about the roles of men and women and how we need to work together together.
1: And I think absolutely. I love the way you said that. For my generation, there was a sense of a man's calling was greater than a woman's calling. Okay. Uh, And that was not necessarily always spoken. Sometimes it was just an unspoken part of the environment. Even a sense of when I was thinking going to college, there wasn't a sense of that I would embrace a call to ministry, for instance, because I, I wasn't a young man. So that's some of what I had I have to grow up with or had to grow up with, and those experiences have shaped my thinking that I had to overcome that. I would say in some ways, it might be reversed in this culture, in the sense of some of our younger women maybe coming with a more feministic right. you know approach. Either way, when I grew up, it was somehow the message was, men were better. Make them look good, now we may have it reversed, where women almost feel like well we're we're better, and you're not as you're not as good as we are. That message is also wrong, and so no matter which which side of the coin you are looking at, we can go back, I think, to Genesis again and say our identity, our purpose, our calling. Is in the fact that we were created as male and female to be image bearers. And to embrace that again is to go back to then how do we honor and respect one another moving forward in the kingdom of God.
0: Well, Deb, I, I want to thank you for helping us think more carefully, more deeply about this subject, for helping us really understand the the way women participate in the storyline of the Old Testament and how our thinking needs to be rooted. In the creation accounts of the opening chapters of Genesis. And on a personal note, I will just want to thank you for the opportunity to partner with you here on the staff of the Hershey Free Church. Thank
1: you very much. Well, thank you, George. It is a privilege to partner with you too. Thank you.